Okay, well, we're going to talk about joy. <laughs> and I actually think it's appropriate. I know joy feels hard during weeks like this. Joy feels like the wrong word when, it feel, when everything feels sad, right? Um, but I think that it actually, I've been trying to talk about this throughout this whole series, that joy is actually for these kinds of moments. That's why we have joy, because joy is not being happy about what's happening. Joy is a deep, deep, deep down strength from God that sustains us and allows us to keep our eyes fixed on him for what we need. That verse in the Old Testament says, Look, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Right? It's that kind of moment. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you because the joy of the Lord is what gives us strength in all these times. And so I want to walk us through this. And even, it was even like kind of throughout some of the songs, like I was realizing as we were singing some of these songs in, in this service, but it was kind of just like, Lord, I, I, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, right? Like, I'm going to sing in the middle of this hard thing. And so we sing out, great are you, Lord. And we worship God in the midst of all of this. And so we're going to talk about a, a prescription for God joy. What do we do to have this kind of God joy? And we'll, we'll get a little bit into Nehemiah 8.10, one last time. But uh, let me start with one of the great poets of our day, um, maybe the greatest. Um, I'm sure you can already guess. <laughs> uh, Bono himself. Now, I'm not going to exegete this, I promise. We're not going to preach through this, uh, this quote from a song. But I thought this was an interesting um, thing for kind of where we are right now in talking about joy. There's a song by U2. It's from 1981, very old song, uh, called Rejoice. And it says this, what am I to do? Just tell me, what am I supposed to say? Right? You've got this kind of questioning angst that I think a lot of us feel, right? Even right now or when things aren't going well. What am I to do? He says, I can't change the world. Right? You might want to just be able yourself to change the world. But he says, I can change the world in me if I rejoice. Rejoice. And that's express, rejoice is just the verb form of joy. We joy, we express our joy to God by rejoicing. And this is the kind of um, express, expression of joy that he's actually talking about here. And what's interesting to me about this is, um, is it's like, this whole moment of, like, especially when it comes to, to Bono, who wrote the, these words, he's, he wants to change this so, the world so much that he's kind of almost annoying about it. Okay, if you know anything about, he's very preachy and very just like always like wanting to be doing something and thinks everything that he's doing is so important. I was even as a U2 fan just like, I don't know if doing a concert in Kiev right now was like the best idea, but whatever. Uh, they looked really cool and they encouraged like 50 people, but like, I don't know. It's just like, it's like very <laughs> kind of self-focused. Me as the greatest YouTube fan on earth, uh, <laughs> you know, can admit. But at the same time, like he just wants to change the world, but there's this recognition even from someone who does a ton, a huge activist and has made huge impacts on AIDS in Africa and all sorts of needs around the world that still feels like, ah, 
I can't change the world, but I can begin that change and I can begin it in me, not by sort of some sort of weird self-actualization, but by rejoicing and celebrating in God, by rejoicing, expressing my joy to God. And what's like kind of cool is that it, it's sort of like a spiritual discipline at some level to rejoice even when it's hard, I think is a spiritual discipline. That it's something that we do even when we don't want to do it. And by doing it, it helps change us, right? Like, I don't think a lot of us are like, you know what, fasting, yeah, that's what I just want to do. If that wasn't anywhere in the Bible, I would have just been all about fasting. And some of you weird intermittent faster people, maybe, but like, even there, you've got some like goals, you know, attached to that. But, um, but like that kind of stuff, but we do that because it's a discipline or we wake up early and we have a time of reading and prayer uh, in, in the word of God, that kind of stuff, like might not be what we're wanting to do, but we're disciplined to do that in the midst of that moment. And by doing these things, even when we don't want to do them, it does a work in us. And so that's kind of, I think, what rejoicing is. Celebrating, even when it's hard, is like. Uh, there's some verses even to think about, like Romans 7.15 is kind of an interesting one. It says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And sometimes we like have this struggle of we don't want to do something bad, but we do. Or we want, you know, we want to do something good or we don't want to do something good. Even we don't care, but we do it anyways. We have to act opposite sometimes of just what our like ultimate sort of reaction or our just uh, what we feel like thing is. And then we go into Colossians. And it's interesting, and before I even read this verse in Colossians 3, Colossians 2 is like a lot about, I was just talking to a friend this week about this. Colossians 2 is a lot about like, I'm in Christ. I can do these things because of the, like anything I can do is like the power of Christ in me. It's kind of speaking of that, that we are in Christ. And that is what is most important and sustains us. That the work of the Spirit is what uh, empowers us. But then you get like in the very next chapter and it says, Clothe yourselves with mercy and humility, you know, kindness, gentleness, patience. It says to put on these things. It says love a couple of verses later. That we are to put on or clothe ourselves with these things. Now, again, it's all out of that power of God, but there's also this like responsibility end of like, okay, I need to put on mercy, kindness, humility, even if I don't feel like it. And as I sort of begin to then practice this, that begins to make a change in me. And so that's even like where sometimes I sort of jokingly say, it's like fake it till you make it. You know, like, and I genuinely mean that jokingly, but there's a bit of that of in the spiritual disciplines of we do these things even if we don't feel like doing them or we clothe ourselves. We say, okay, Lord, and that's through prayer and then through like, like through like making choices of our lives that we say, okay, I'm going to be tenderhearted and merciful today. In this, in this interaction, I'm going to be kind and gentle and patient while asking the Spirit to do that work in us as well, we don't only, you know, be gentle when we feel like being gentle. No, that is what we are called to do and be. So we clothe ourselves with these things. And then even, even as we don't feel like it, then the Spirit of God is transforming and making a change in us as we do it. It's like you don't just eat healthy when you feel like it. You don't just pray when you're happy with God only. That we rejoice 
even when things aren't going the way we would hope to, because that's actually transforming us. So maybe Bono is on to something, right? Like I can change that world in me when I rejoice, that as we rejoice, we are changed. And that's why joy is one of our values as a church. It's one of these 12 core values that we choose joy, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that's why I would say the prescription for joy, for God joy, is to throw a party. (laughs) Okay? So the prescription is to celebrate, to celebrate what God has done. Now, Uh, As you've heard me say frequently, I used to joke around that when it comes to this verse in Nehemiah 8, that my wife's life verse was the joy of the Lord is your strength, and mine was eat the fat, and you know, (laughs) just enjoy the the big old ribeye steak. Um, And so that's the part that that I I was connected to most, uh, most quickly. But those kind of combined to form this ultimate party, this ultimate celebration. So let me just even read and remind ourselves of this Nehemiah 8 verse that this whole God joy thing is based off of. So Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. But then we see it continue in verse 11. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And in verse 12, we see them do it. It says, all the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been made known to them. As they have been impacted by the word of God, they are to celebrate. And they are celebrating this joy from the Lord that strengthens them in the midst of anything that they are going through. And so I think that our prescription for doing this is to do the same thing, right? To celebrate a great festival. And what I would propose to us, I propose this to our church, we're going to spread a movement around the world, okay, for a new holiday. Are you ready? Are you with me? We are going to start 810 day. Okay, now, 810 day, <laughs> it's like my little crazy creation that I want us to start a holiday that's going to spread, spread all over. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to spread like wildfire. Uh, but uh, let's at least start here. But 810 day, 810, this is Nehemiah 810. So I was like, all right, let's do this August 10th. Or if you're from other parts of the world, you know, the way they do the, like the 810, it's actually October 8th, right? <laughs> and, so, uh, and so it could be October 8th. If you turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah 8, I think verse 2 in those NLT Bibles on the back there, it actually says that's the date that this was. October 8th, back when this story happened in like, I forget, it's like 446 BC or something like that. It was October 8th. It's crazy. <laughs> and so uh, that's like wild to me. So 810 day, I'd say we do both August 10th, October 8th, which is like a dual holiday. Nobody's doing like two day holidays, okay, except us. Uh, now, so, so what, what do we do? What do we do on this holiday? Well, on this holiday, we do the eat the fat, drink the sweet, share with those who have nothing prepared. We celebrate a great festival and remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I celebrated my first 810 party a few years ago, and I really think this is something you can do. 
Okay, so we, the first, first year I did two full-on huge beef briskets, like the long roasting on an offset smoker, did that whole thing, and we just ate the delicious fatty meat, because that's a good fatty meat. All right, remember, no filet mignon, no lean meat. It says fat. You got to eat the fat. That's what it says in the Bible. So enjoy that. You get some sort of great meat together. We had like the brisket. Um, now, again, this the, pat, the Bible, when it says eat the fat, drink the sweet, is referring to wine. Uh, you don't have to drink wine if that is an issue or you want to be careful about that. Is, that's very understandable. Um, and, um, but so it, it means don't just have water, like drink the good stuff. So whatever that is, like for you, some root beer, some blood orange, Italian soda. I don't know, whatever that is for you. Uh, and um, so have something good. Now, part of the reason I think it's wine in the scriptures is because you see throughout the scriptures, wine is actually a symbol of God's provision, God's giving to his people, them establishing like a, a, a new foundation. Like when they're establishing a new place, they would plant a vineyard. And it is a, a symbol that is used of God's provision and his, his um just like what he has done for us. And so we, re we remember that. It's a symbol of that, obviously. And then it's also used in the whole thing of the Eucharist and communion. Um, so, so wine is that. And so that's kind of part of what that is representing. Okay, so, but whatever. Eat the fat, drink the sweet with whatever is going to be good for that for you. Now, I did, we did beef briskets one year. This last year I did like some pulled pork, a little easier, you know. A little, uh, and then, you know, if you want to go real easy, you could do like, charcuterie, like Italian meats, like sliced meats and cheeses. That's very fatty, very delicious, very easy as well. You know, that you have this feast. You have this feast of fatty meats and something good to drink, and then you celebrate what God has done. And so you, you enjoy that. You share, so you invite people, and you share that with them. Uh, they don't have anything prepared, so you share it with them. So share with those who have nothing prepared. You also could then pack up some to-go boxes at the end of the party and go out and share that with people who are in need. Um, that could be homeless people. It could just be others who don't have anything prepared. And so we like to try to do that. And now I think some other parts of what you can do within that party is to read a portion of the scriptures out loud to your group of friends. That's what happens in Nehemiah 8. Just the Bible was read out loud to this group of people and it totally impacted and changed them. They began to weep. But then we recognize that that conviction should not lead us to crying. That conviction should lead us to celebrating because we have forgiveness. That conviction leads us to repentance, which leads to forgiveness. And we celebrate that. Um, so that's our that's our 8-10 day party. You, you can like, you can read some scripture together. You could share stories of how you've been moved by God or convicted by God that has led to, to change in your life, how God's joy has strengthened you. And then go out and share with others. So I, I just would think it would be awesome if we could consider that. We'll be giving you some reminders this year when 8-10 day is approaching. Uh, so just uh, let's, let's do that. Let's celebrate. Let's throw a party. And this kind of celebration, I think, is a form of spiritual discipline. Again, it's a form of like kind of almost forcing yourself to celebrate and rejoice in the Lord no matter what you are feeling. And so we sing out to him. Why do we do that? We do that because your God will come. Your God has come to you in the midst of whatever you are dealing with. We celebrate because your God has come. We celebrate 
because you have been freed from your guilt and your bondage and slavery to sin through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross and his power and victory over that sin and death through his resurrection. And so we celebrate. We celebrate what he has done. Amen? And so let's do that. Let's remember why that we believe that God will strengthen us in the midst of our suffering. That God has forgiven us of our guilt and our debt to that sin. So we throw a party. So I'd ask you to throw a party. The prescription for joy is to throw a party and celebrate a great festival in the Lord. Now, we also recognize that sometimes there's some hang-ups and there's some strongholds that need to be prayed over and prayed through to be able to throw that party. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit more to about prayer and about who we are, our identity in Christ, our authority in Christ, and how we can pray in some different ways. These fifth Sundays, this is, there's like four fifth Sundays a year where there's a month with five Sundays, and we've just kind of committed to have a, a bit of a prayer focus more on these Sundays. And so that's what we're going to kind of transition into now because I believe that we need to pray and to even pray declaratively for joy. And I want to talk about why we can pray in this way and what that means because I don't mean anything weird or this is not at all about some sort of prosperity gospel that you can pray for health or wealth or those kind of things when I say this. So I want you to hear that clearly. I'm going to talk through what this means. Okay, We need to be able to pray and to pray with an understanding of who we are in Christ. And that is an understanding of our spiritual authority. And what I mean is that we have a certain kind of authority in what God, how God has made us and what he has done for us. I'm going to explain these things of a way that we can pray. Now, there's four different areas of authority that I want you to understand here, okay? Now, the first is this identity authority, okay? Identity authority, who you are in Christ. You have a certain authority because of who you are in Christ. Every single person that is a follower of Jesus, believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are a son or daughter of the King of Kings. You are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. You have great authority. Imagine what a prince or princess has, the kind of authority in the kingdom that they are in. That is who you are. You are also, according to the scriptures, part of the royal priesthood of believers. You are a priest in God's kingdom, okay? So you are not only a prince or a princess, you are also a priest. And you think about what Jesus accomplished when he died upon the cross and the, the very temple of God where there was a veil separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of it and only the high priest could go in. When he died upon the cross, that veil was torn from top to bottom and there is now access into the Holy of Holies for all those who are part of the royal priesthood of believers, not just for the high priest on that one day or those sorts of restrictions, that we now have a new access to God in him. So know that. That is who you are in Christ. 
We also have a delegated authority, okay? How Christ has sent you. There's tons and tons of verses in the Bible. In Luke 9, in Luke 10, in Matthew 28, and other places. But like Mark 6 and Matthew 10 talk about the disciples being sent out and given authority to heal, to cast out demons. So they sends them out and gives them authority to do these things. And we are now living that out as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, okay? So that we have been given this authority as well. In Acts 1, it says, you will receive power to be my witnesses to everywhere, everywhere. Those places close by and those places across the whole world. You have been given power to be my, my witnesses. So we have a delegated authority that Christ has said, okay, I'll give you this authority and go out. The Great Commission, we are sent out under his authority, right? We also have uh, what we'll call a status authority, okay? The status authority is where you already, places that you already have authority, kind of in your normal life, right? So that could be uh, in your place of work, or that could be in your home. Uh, for me, I think of that here as my role as the pastor of Calvary Church. And I think of this sort of this, this status authority that comes with that. And so I, I even do a thing of like reminding myself, I'm always like, um, prince, priest, pastor. That's kind of like these three P words that help me remember my, my personal authority, right? Like as a prince, and, and as a son of the king of kings, as a priest, part of that royal priest of the believers, and then as a pastor, which is my status authority here. You have your own different kind of places that God has already, you know, placed you with some authority in this world. Okay, that's how I remember. Okay, God, you've given me authority in these places, so I want to pray with that kind of authority. Now, there's also... Um, uh, what we would just call an intimacy authority. That there's some sort of authority that comes with time spent with God. And I would say that kind of relates to having a heart aligned to God's heart, right? As we, are, as we have time of intimacy with the Lord, that aligns our heart to be more like God's. And that's what we, we think is like so important for us is that all of this comes down to our heart being aligned to be in line with God's heart. This isn't any kind of weird, again, like I said, this isn't some sort of like, oh, I'm going to get what I want out of God now. Or it's like, or like I said, a health wealth kind of thing. I don't want us to even think about that kind of way of thinking about prayer or our authority. It does not grant us that. But it, there is something where God speaks to when we go into prayer to go into it with confidence, right? We go into prayer with confidence because he has torn that veil and because we have this authority. So trying to help us understand that. Now, that leads us then into, so how do we pray with that kind of authority into something that just called declarative, or that is called declarative prayer by some. And it is a way of praying that is just praying with an understanding of that authority. And so like there's some different like ways of praying, right? Like there's intercession. It's just, it's asking God for things on behalf of others. And it's sometimes it's like a, a pleading with God, you know, a, a crying out, a begging to God, right? There's this way of, of prayer that we should do that is asking God for things. And we come to God humbly in all of these ways of prayer. Declarative prayer would be boldly claiming what God has already promised to do boldly claiming what God has promised to do. 
So none of this is, again, praying for something outside of how God would work and function. But we pray according to what God has promised to do. And so we pray his will with confidence. Now the key to be able to do that is to align our heart with God's heart. And that's how we speak about worship here at Calvary a lot. Um, is that a way of defining worship through singing is, is what we are doing is aligning our heart to be more in line with God's heart. So when we're aligned with God, right, you got like the two parallel lines. What happens in our life is sometimes we get like a little bit off, right, in our alignment. As sin enters our life or um, spiritual attack in some way, our alignment gets off. And sort of that age-old illustration is if our alignment's just a little bit off, you know, as those lines continue, they're getting farther and farther apart. And so part of even what like a, a Sunday worship service is for is to help us with that. That we get like, we get off, we come, we worship, and then, oh, back in alignment, right? Oh, back in alignment. Worship aligns our heart to God's heart. And so when, when, when our heart is aligned to God's heart through prayer, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through worship, through the reading of God's word, understanding what his words are, through listening to God in prayer, to, to hear from him in that way as well. Oh, okay, okay, Lord, I know like, my heart is to go this way. Like my desire is to go this way, but oh, Lord, I want to align my heart to your heart, not trying to get God to align to like where I've moved, right? Okay, so we're, we're aligning our heart back into God's heart. And so then as we do that, we're able to pray his will with confidence, now, just wanted to even read a couple like verses in the Bible to help you see some examples of that, okay? Daniel 9 in the Old Testament says, uh, 17 says, So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes. And see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. Hear this. It says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. Take action. That's not a person saying, please, God, will you, will you please do this? You know, they're just making these declarations in prayer, for things that God has said he will do. Jesus prayed declarative prayers. I always want to follow Jesus, but I always feel like it's kind of an unfair example sometimes, you know, he's God and stuff. But like he prayed, Lazarus, come forth. Not dear father, please allow Lazarus to come out, right? Lazarus, come forth to the wind and the waves. Peace, be still. To people that were in need of healing, be healed. And even Peter in Acts 3 follows this model of Jesus that we see then Peter do in, in, you know, after Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And it says, uh, Peter said to this, this sick man who could not walk, he says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Boom, a declaration. And this man was healed. So I, I just want you to see that there is a place for this kind of prayer. This isn't something out of the scripture. This is something that God is speaking to in his word. Is it the only way we should pray? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There are times for us 
to very humbly and weakly beg and plead, right? And that is appropriate in a time. And then there are times of this. And so I want us to think about that. So we speak and declare truth that God has already declared. God wants all people to be saved. God says that his stripes have healed us. God says, or it says, my God shall supply every need. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. That God desires our holiness, our sanctification. He says, he who is greater, sorry, he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. That God is greater than any demonic force that would come against us. And so we believe these things that are true, that God says to be true, and then we pray them. We say, in the name of Jesus, give wisdom. In the name of Jesus, bring healing. In the name of Jesus, rebuke the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we pray for all of these things. We declare these things in the name of Jesus. I pray clarity over you. I speak truth over you. I speak discernment over you. I speak peace for you. Blessing, we've done blessing here. We do a lot of this. Like blessing is a form of declarative prayer. So we speak blessing over people. I do it every week at the end of our service. I speak blessing over all of you. And so what I want us then to do now, as you've heard some of this, just a brief teaching on it, is we're going to do a little practice, okay? A little bit of time of practice. And then half of you, maybe more than half, are like, oh boy. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to try this a little bit on our own and then a little bit in some little groups. Now I'll give some, some, t- some like uh, caveats and some outs for some of you, okay? So if you have some sort of health reason that you don't want to be in that little group, it's okay. I just say, you just decline. You can pray on your own, um, uh, you know, or whatever, or even just some introvert reason. That's okay too. We understand. Um, and <laughs> so we speak freedom to you introverts. But uh, um, we also would ask that if it's a way that you can stretch yourself a little bit, then, then see. You know, see if, if that can be a good thing for you. Um, so what we're going to do is in a moment, not yet, but I'll have you stand. And I want you on your own to pray some of these declarations. To declare God's joy over yourself. Maybe you need that in the midst of this time. To declare God's joy over others. To declare strength in your suffering over the attacks of the enemy and to declare freedom over any guilt and shame. So this is on your own. We'll spend a few minutes doing this. If you are confident and comfortable, I would love for you to do this out loud, okay? To speak these words of declaration out loud. So let's stand. Let's, part of this is our posture. Our posture before, like in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, your posture and your authority of who God has made you, who you are in Christ. And we stand up and we're strong because of him. Okay? We are strong. So spend a few minutes praying these declarations. These will be on the screen here for you to see. Let's pray these on our own. Go ahead. Start. In the name of Jesus.
In the name of Jesus, I declare joy over this congregation. A joy that sustains in the midst of suffering, hardship, grief. I declare joy over each one in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so that was an easy little practice, all right? Now, what I'd like us to do is to get in little groups of three, okay? Gather in little groups of three. If it ends up being two or four, it's okay, it's okay, but try to go for three. Again, if you don't want to do that, it's okay. Just say no thank you. Um, but if there's some people around you that are alone that you feel like aren't being included, well, welcome people into your little circle, okay? And what we can do is I would want you just to pause, for, gather together, pause for a moment in silence, okay? And then, and just kind of a moment of listening. Okay, Lord, how should I pray, right? How do you want me to pray over some of these things? And I would ask you to pray over some of these things of, of our church, in our community, um, so in our church, like I put VBS because it's like our biggest outreach of the year. Registration opens next Sunday. It's exciting. We want to see the Holy Spirit work in the lives of kids. Um, for our family ministry leadership that needs, like, need people in those roles, providing excellent leadership. In our community, we're doing some awesome things at the hospital across the street, through ESL, through other areas. In our nation, uh, Texas, this whole thing, and um, the government leaders around the world, you can see all that stuff. There's, these are ways that you can pray but to pray with boldness and de declarations of what you believe God will do that he has already promised, all right? So go ahead and gather into those groups of three. We'll spend a few minutes praying these things. Ready, go. So gather up and don't spend too much time talking. Get into it. Get into it. Pray. Pray, pray, pray.
Please join me. In the name of Jesus, unite our church. In the name of Jesus, unite our country. In the name of Jesus, bring young people to you. In the name of Jesus, provide the leadership we need. In the name of Jesus, comfort the brokenhearted. In the name of Jesus, may we believe in your power. Lord, we long to be a church that sees your spirit working in our lives and in the lives of the people that we are praying for, we long to see your power transform. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work your wonders in us and through us. And may your name be made great through it. It is only in you, Lord, and you alone. It is because of you. And it is all about you, Lord Jesus. So we don't ask for any fame or glory or comfort or like ease for ourselves, God. We ask for you to be great, to be worshipped, to be adored by us and by this world. Whatever it takes. It is in you alone, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together in Christ alone.